Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. And welcome to Triple H 100.1 FM, triplehfm.com.au, or you might be tuning in online at podcast.com. Tune in, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your good podcasts and plenty of questionable ones as well. Keith Topolsky back with you for NHL Part 2. We are doing the full playoff preview tonight, discussing a few of the little issues surrounding the playoffs and the playoff matchups themselves, as well as those four teams from each of the conferences that has gone straight through to start the playoff rounds. They're not going to be doing the play-in. They're going to be playing for seeding in the playoffs. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. Introducing a couple of returning champions, if you like that word. One of them is the coach of the Fairbairn Bombers in one of the Canberra rec leagues. Here's Adrian Jones. Adrian, welcome back to Splinters. Hey, thanks for having me back, Keith. I appreciate it. Uh, Good to talk some hockey after the uh, COVID hiatus. Uh, Can't wait to the playoffs if they go ahead. Be nice to see the uh, boys back out on the ice. That is certainly something that we are looking forward to. And joining you down in Queanbeyan tonight is one of your players. He might be a first-line sniper or a fourth-line grinder. We still haven't figured that out yet. All we know is that he puts on hits after goals have been scored. Good evening, David Gazard. Good to be back, Keith. And I agree, isn't it great to be talking about hockey again? Certainly in the context that we actually are going to have hockey. Well, we hope we're going to have hockey. And the conference formats that we've come up with, or that the NHL has come up with, I should say, the format will be that the top four teams from each of the conferences will play for first-round seeding. Regular season overtime rules will be in effect for that. So on the eastern side of the equation, you're starting out with Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, Philadelphia. On the western side, it's St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. And what do we think about this idea of playing for playoff seeding, given that Boston, they were runaway favourites for the President's Trophy, and they could end up being seeded fourth in the playoffs and only being guaranteed home ice for round one. I think that's a little bit harsh, David. Look, as we know, mate, there's no guarantee, and we've seen this before, right? Um, Look at Tampa Bay last year. Went in, Number one team, I think they'd won the President's Trophy through last the last NHL season, right, 2019. They're swept in round one. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantees in this game, right? And we all know that in hockey, probably more than any other sport, teams go up like not just one, not just two. They go up three notches for playoff hockey. So what you've done over the course of the season counts for nothing often. Mm. And if you run into a hot goalie, then you're in a lot of trouble. So in the past, it's always kind of a little bit unfair anyway. You think about it, right? You get, you play 82 games, and what does that entail you to? It entitles you to one extra home game. That's it. You lose the first game at home, your entire season is wiped out. So a team like Boston, they've been there before. They've done it before. They're a gun team. I don't think they'll they'll waste too much time on what's fair or what's not. They'll just get back on with it, and they're a team of pros. I saw them in January, actually, playing 
the Islanders in 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 Long Island, and and they impressed me with the way they came back, just their diligence, their professionalism. They they minimised their weaknesses. They got on with it, and they won the game in overtime. You know, just I, I reckon that is that team. They've got a team of champions, and I think they'll rise no matter what. And I, I think you know the NHL's had a very difficult um, you know quandary here. How do you restart a season into going into summer? You're going to play all summer. You've got to try to you've got to even it out, and there's going to be a whole bunch of inconsistencies like this that 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 play to the detriment of of some teams. So better to get on with it and do it, and let the professionalism of the best teams rise to the surface. And Adrian, certainly David makes an interesting point about alternative formats. Was there anything that you could think of that the NHL might have done differently here? Because I would have gone with a situation where top five from each division and then you get your two wild cards and then you play around Robin and whoever finishes in the top four spots goes through to the playoffs. Well, honestly, I, I reckon they're just trying to get the get all the teams playing get everyone's legs moving again, get back up to game speed just to uh, increase the quality of the playoffs because they've had a long time off, um, you know, sitting idle. Uh, it's been good and probably, you know, there's some positives and negatives and sitting idle, but, um, you know, you have the guys recovering from their injuries, but are they also, uh, at the same time you lose probably chemistry and uh, momentum with the team. So I, I just, I think moving the top four teams to just, it's just giving them something to play for, um, because you could just have them playing each other for no reason because it wouldn't be worth watching. Um, so at least they're playing for something. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's hard times to kind of make something fair. Um, it's it's hard to be fair as far as playing for uh, a, a seeding position because you've worked your season before, but the season had, wasn't complete. So... Uh, like Boston could have taken it. Uh, they, it. It's just, it's a hard, it's a hard one to manage. The, the other thing too, you've got to remember here, Keith, is you, you've got to reward the teams that were playing really well, but you also have to provide a commercial incentive for these teams that have got to play players, right? They've got to keep the franchises alive. And it's really difficult. This is, I think, going to be one of the, one of the things that's tough to do. You've got to maintain the fan interest, and they're starved at the moment, but you're playing through the summer, which is, you know, traditionally been the time where people kind of lose interest in the playoffs when you're getting into sort of May and you're still going through, you know, a seven-game series. People are moving on to playing golf. They want to go to the baseball game. But we've got a, we've got a, a league in crisis like every professional league across the world. They're, they're in crisis about how to – keep their franchises alive, right? They've got to make some money here. Mm. So they've they've they can't they can't sort of just go with a whole bunch of seven game series because the fans will lose interest while they're looking at other pursuits. Um, and they've got to reward effort. So they, I, I think it's kind of a bit of a balance. We, we can debate it probably till the cows come home, but gee, isn't it good we're talking about hockey, we're but, seeing it. I, I'm I'm one of those guys, I've missed it, I feel starved for it. Yep. And I, I want to get it going again. Of course, and uh, also just to add, if it's in, if we're playing the games in Edmonton and in where was it, Toronto, uh, Toronto what what's good at my advantage if the games are going to be played there? That's a good point, a really good point. No so one has home ice advantage except yeah. Edmonton, Toronto. No one's really losing out, I don't believe. And and will there be fans? 
So you, you might mm. be just really picking well, two ice sheets we're, we're, we're in talking geographical about, locations. We're talking about Toronto, which is the hockey hub, hub better of the world. You know, um, they have the biggest fan base and the poorest uh, winning record. So it's you, quite you, hilarious. You can imagine kind of COVID-19 scenarios for yeah. for yeah. fans outside Rogers Arena, right? This, <laughs> this is going to be the big issue because if you can't get in to watch those games, wh- what are you doing? And I, I, after living for 16 years in, in Canada, there's, as we know, there's 11 months of skiing and one month of bad sledding. Get me to the hockey. That's mm. all I really want to focus on. Mm. It's like a country of AFL fans. Mm. That else. And and Adrian, you're a Winnipeg fan. You know what it's like with yeah. the sea of white outside the arena. That's right. People are going to be going nuts for it, right? So yeah. there's a whole crowd issue thing there. But I, I think back to Adrian's point, you're, you're really only playing on an ice sheet in a city. So you got all this hub sort of stuff where you've got to be isolated and so on. So it takes the fa- the fans out of it in, in some ways and just gets back to pure hockey. Like we're seeing in AFL at the moment where, you know, you're not, you're not playing in front of anyone. I, I think it's going on with the NRL as well, isn't it, Keith? You're not playing in front of, of mad fans where you just build momentum off the, the frenzy of the crowd anymore. It's going to be hockey in its purest form like it was when we were playing hockey as kids, you know, um, in Shinny, right, out on a, an outdoor ice rink. So, well, anyway, look, it'll be interesting. So, uh, But the good thing is we're getting back to it. That's exactly right. The NRL is starting to play in front of uh, somewhat smaller crowds and they're trying to get people back in, but that is something that we will get to uh, in further detail in the second half of the podcast. But for now, we head along to the Eastern Conference with the playoff matchups, but we're going to start with the teams that do effectively have the first or the play-in round by. They go straight to the playoffs and they are competing for seeding. And we are going to start with the President's Trophy winners, the Boston Bruins, and they added a little bit extra at the deadline line Adrian and I I think in terms of momentum and chemistry you could certainly make an argument that Boston are going to be the team that have been hurt the most by the stoppage due to uh, the pandemic. Yeah that's correct Uh, the it's all about your momentum but the the thing with Boston is is they're just so they're so bloody consistent and uh, just to bring out a couple of points with their the strengths, uh, it really comes to the back end as well. If you have consistent goaltending, and they've got Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak um, with quite an amazing save percentage, and they've shared the crease pretty much the whole season, and to be ha- be able to have two goalies that remain consistent with great save percentages, um, that also share the crease, so they're not putting each other's nose out of joint by you know trying to steal each other's number one. Everyone knows that Tuka Rask is the clear-cut number one for Boston, and then you've got Halak moving as the second. But I think over the years, Boston's probably understood with Tuka Rask that he loves the ice, he loves the crease, but it's good to give him a rest. And I think that's with most goalers. You burn them out too hard through the season, and then when the playoffs come, it's that's when you need your goalies to be healthy and ready to go. So all those little injuries, all those pulls and strains that goalies get in their knees and their hips, it's quite a demanding position. Um, and it's one of the most important positions because if you have a goal, bad goaltending, then, you know, that, that loses hockey games. Regardless if you've got great defense, you know, they're the last line of defense. You need them to be uh, ready to go at, at the drop of a hat. You need them ready to go every night. And um, I think they really managed their duo well, but uh, it's also a uh, testament to professionalism 
Um, and I think uh, Yaroslav Halak is uh, one of the uh, one of the greats as professionalist as a as a backup goaltender. Um, back when he played for the Islanders, uh, moved him down to the AHL, and uh, I heard nothing but great things. I think they won like eleven to thirteen games straight with him in in the crease. And uh, from sources that I have, he uh, he just shows amazing professionalism in his, in the way he comes to work, and uh, he's a great great goaltender to model uh, young guys around and also just to drive the team as a whole. So I think that is one of the main key strengths to Boston. Obviously, then you've got the powerhouses up front with Bergeron and Marchand. And, you know, Marchand especially, he's the guy that everyone loves to hate, but you'd love to have him on your team. <laughs> everyone hates his guts and wants the worst for him. But you know what? No one would, dis- no one would be disappointed with having on his team. He gets in the dirty areas, gets in the crease. He scores the clutch goals. Uh, and then you've got uh, David Pasternak, you know, great goal scorer, another one. So as far as you've got the grit, you've got the scoring capacity, you've got the goaltending, and then you've got Zidane Chara on the blue line. Like that just seems like a uh, Stanley Cup winning team to me and also a President's Cup winning team. So uh, I really don't believe they have much to worry about as far as moving through. Uh, I think it's actually the, the hiatus that we've had has probably been good for them just to get those injuries, especially uh, for a guy like Char, he's an older guy. What is he, 42 now? Six foot nine? Six eight. Six eight. Four, you know, 42 years old, but he's the captain, he's professional, um, but he's just rested. He's rested those injuries, now he's good to go. So and I think, yeah, it, it's hard uh, with the team like that, those little additions to the team. Uh, you could run him in your fourth line, your third line, the grinding lines are the lines where you're just trying to use them to close out the top two lines of the other team. And then if you get some goals out of them, then happy days. But as far as the core of Boston, I think yeah, that's that's where the strength of the team lies. And they've, they don't seem to uh, stop scoring goals and stop producing. I tell you what, though, this is an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, you, you can get you can have the best, most professional goalie in the league. But he's had three months off, four months off. You're starting from from the, the one advantage I guess they've all had is they, they've had a chance to freshen up. They, they've, they've fixed the little niggles. They've had, had a chance to heal. But you're going in really like your first part of the playoff, first part of the first part of the season, like the opening games of the 82-game season. Some guys are cold. Some guys haven't had a good training camp. And this is going to be the major wild card factor. So I agree, Rask, unbelievable goalie, but the guy comes in cold. You, you, you're looking at a whole different scenario, right? But that's when the duo comes through where you got Halak. He's just uh, ultimately professional goaltender, and he's going to pick up that slack and uh, and, and drive drive the, the, the goaltenders. But Tuka Rask is also super experienced. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's been through. He's been through the ringer. He's just been one of the most consistent goaltenders over the years so that I've witnessed. They do say that when you have goaltending, it's 50% of your team. When you don't have it, it's 100% of your team. And a team that doesn't really have a backup but does have an elite goaltender is that team that was the President's Trophy winners last year, the Tampa Bay Lightning. David, they've loaded up with a few depth acquisitions and they paid big prices for sandpaper, a couple of first-round picks. But if you're looking for something that Tampa maybe did lack, maybe that sandpaper, that grit element was what they needed. 
I think they'll be burning from what happened last year too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, bone to pick. That that is that that is going to drive you right. Um, th- that's the kind of thing that happens to a team that if you got players that have pride in what they do, that they they've spent a year working to get, overcome that. So I, I'd look for Tampa Bay to be coming out of the gate. You know, maybe everyone's skills are a bit rusty, but they they will be giving 120 percent. Yeah. Also, with uh, you got the addition of uh, Zach Bogosian in the defense area. Uh, he's always he played for the Jets for a while. I've seen him play live a few times. He's quite a gritty guy. He gets in there, cross checks. He makes it really hard for forwards to start the cycle game in the corners. He's a very skilled defenseman. The problem is, is his health. He always seems to be uh, broken down some way. They called him Mr. Glass in, a, in in Winnipeg because he was always injured. And I think we. Uh, Pass the buck on to Buffalo, and then uh, they've actually they actually paid out his contract. That's how Tampa was able to acquire him. Uh, but then you've got uh, Pat Maroon as well, which they acquired from St. Louis Blues uh, end of last year. Um, it was really surprised to me that they didn't uh, St. Louis Blues didn't uh, resign Patty, but uh, I think they did a really good job by signing him in Tampa Bay because uh, what's it, what, what did he say? Line was chirping him last year, and uh, he comes back with I may be chubby, but I'm effective. And uh, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is how effective you are. And uh, Paddy Maroon, he's not, he's not a picturesque player. He's not pretty, but you know, he gets the job done. And no matter where, what position you're putting him in, the corners or in front, he's a big body. He's hard to move. And that's something that Tampa Bay feel desperately moved because they're a flowing team. Uh, they're highly offensive. And they like the pretty goals. And that's a, something that you saw last year. But Pat Maroon brings that. Uh, that net front presence and that that dirty corner, uh, that dirty corner play, which uh, is it was a kind of absence from their game, uh, which Columbus uh, exploited last year. Which now I think they've kind of picked up the slack and they're trying to prevent that from happening again this year. That's kind of my play, um, Adrian, right <laughs> in the corners without with the elite scoring touch in front of the net. <laughs> A team that could be very effective if they've got rusty goaltenders is the Washington Capitals. We're talking about rusty goaltenders. Is there really anybody better to take advantage of that than Alexander Ovechkin? Ah, well, look, I I feel bad for Ovechkin because he didn't get hit that 50 this year. I think everyone's going for Ovechkin. Like, Ovechkin's such a hard player not to love. Um, you know, back in the days when he was a younger guy, he was a bit over the top and he laid some dirty hits. And, uh, but these days he's kind of got his head screwed on and he's, um, he puts his nose to the grindstone. Certainly, Washington Scoring Capitals. Different... Sorry. Sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's been, uh, yeah, he's been slamming those goals in all year, and it would have been nice to hit him 50 because I want to see uh, a player crack Gretzky's record, and I think Ovechkin's got that touch. He's just every goal he knows where he's going to shoot, but no goal that can stop him. But then he's also scoring other goals uh, five on five, which is really pleasant. Like uh, it's a pleasant surprise this year with the Vetchkin. And um, but as far as goaltending is concerned, with uh, Brad Holby, uh, that was yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite uncommon to see a goalie that was uh, a Stanley Cup winner a couple of years ago and then you know, have such a horrible season, but, you know, all goalies go through that. But they've got uh, they've got hope, hope with uh, Ilya Samsonov. Um, he's got a 16, 6, and 2 in his last 26 games played. Um, so if uh, – I reckon they'll start uh, Holpe, uh, but they'll bring in uh, Samsonov, I think, 
if Holtby starts to falter. And having that uh, veteran uh, guy as a backup uh, always helps the young blokes come through. And uh, they may be able to pull a uh, St. Louis Blues and ride a young goaltender that's hot. Um, but he's he, he, he's uh, def- I think goaltending situation goaltending situation in Washington isn't a uh, isn't an issue especially with the addition of uh, Brendan Dillon on the back end which is a nice stay at home defenseman that's a nice pickup from San Jose and uh, Ilya Kovalchuk uh, he caught fire in Montreal and man you smack him on the fourth line he got a sniper playing against the other team's fourth line uh, that's 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 a rough go if you're the fourth line on the other team. And we're going to finish up with our final team that is going straight through to the playoffs because time is getting well away from us. The Philadelphia Flyers. David, it really was a surprise that Philadelphia finished that high, I thought. Flyers are one of those teams that surprised everyone. They started slow. They they came on with a wet sail. And and they've actually made some really good acquisitions o- over the year. But you sort of start thinking, you know, can they maintain that, particularly after a three-month layoff? And and that's what I don't know about that team. Um, Very they, young. Super young. Um, they're riding the momentum, but, but can they get it back together now that the pressure is on? It's a very good question, and while time does get away from us, we will go through the play-in rounds very quickly. We'll start off with the one that most people are concerned about, if there's going to be an upset, Pittsburgh versus Montreal, because if you're looking at an opportunity for a team to go through and ride a hot goaltender on its own through to a series win, Adrian, you do a lot worse than rely on Carey Price. Yeah, well, that's the problem with Montreal is that uh, how long have they relied on Carey Price for? Yeah. Uh, That poor guy, he's literally got the weight of Montreal on his shoulders. And I think it's just after after a while it gets to any professional athlete, like I'd get to any normal person, but professional athletes, you know, we consider them a superhuman and be able to take any pressure. But, man, that guy has been carrying Montreal for a long time and I honestly believe he's getting fed up with it and he needs some support offensively and defensively. That's why they bring in Shea Weber, big guy, big shot. Uh, but yeah, they're, in a, they're in a rebuild right now and they just traded away Kovalchuk. He was producing a lot of scoring for them. Uh, Thomas Tatar, he, uh, he's not so much of a clutch player, but he is quite... A good, he's a quite a talented player. He can put the biscuit in the basket where it matters. Um, but overall, I I think that Pittsburgh have nothing to worry about. Uh, Pittsburgh has just have, have a stellar lineup. They've got what three time Stanley Cup champion like Crosby. Um, uh, they've got uh, Murray. They've got uh, just uh, Justin. Uh, sorry. Uh, I can't remember the jury, jury, the backup goaltender as well. But that's another issue. That's another thing between them. They've got two starting goalies fighting for position with uh, Tristan Jury. That's his name. Mm. Um, so I think uh, Pittsburgh haven't got much to worry about. They're getting, they've gotten healthy, I would imagine, over the last three months. And they've got this heavily veteran core that has been through so many playoffs. I can't even remember how many they've been through. They've won you know, three Stanley Cups with this veteran core. And uh, it's it's going to come down to goaltending with them, but their offense is nothing to uh, turn to turn, turn an eye to. And they 
if you've got you haven't got a have a haven't got a solid team in front of you in front of Kerry Price, then the Penguins are just going to tear them apart. Speaking of a goaltending situation, David, we move along to Carolina versus the New York Rangers, and the Rangers really have a decision to make. They have three goaltenders who could carry them through, but who are they going to pick, the veteran or one of the two rookies? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, Lundqvist has obviously got the experience, and uh, but they do have a couple of rookies. Um, Shoshenskin finished with... Uh, a season, I think he was riding a, a ten and two streak at the end of uh, at the end of proceedings before COVID hit. Um, Lundqvist, you know, I, I think going back to this earlier point about Carey Price and Lundqvist is the same thing in New York, right? These are guys that are now rested, but they're old. They 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 could get really hot or they could suck. Um, and and if if that's the case, you got to you got to switch. I mean, Montreal. I think they were 24 out of 24 to get in the playoffs. They, they were the last they team were in. Lucky. They, 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 scraped, they in. scraped in. So you could look at a sweep here, but the Rangers are a different proposition if they have a goalie that gets going. So they, they've got, the, the, uh, they've got the, the scoring punch, and if they get going with a guy like Panarin and some of the guys that play with him, I, I, I tell you what, I, I like that team. Um, but I think goaltending, as you identify, Keith, is an absolute key. And Lundquist, you know, he's got the keys of the city in New York. The guy's loved up and down Broadway. But he's now, what, 36? 38. 38. He, he, he is getting past it. So if he can come back in with a hot hand, I, I think that team can go a long way. But, but they might be looking to move into, their, into the lower order if, if, uh, if he doesn't. Adrian, there's certainly a lot of attention on most of these matchups, but I think one of the matchups where you can almost put it in the forgotten basket is the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Florida were terrible in the back half of the season, and the Islanders, they weren't much better. They were going 2-4-4 four, and four after they acquired Andy Green and Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Yeah, that's true. Like Pajot, I believe, what they, they, they traded from Ottawa, is that right? A first, a second, and a conditional third for Pajot from Ottawa. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know too much Pajot. Like, you'd probably know more about him, uh, considering you're an Ottawa fan. Uh, but Andy Green, I'm a, a, a backseat uh, Devils fan, and uh, Andy Green has uh, been quite good on the blue line for them. Uh, so it just makes sense that he would had a quite a vet, good great veteran presence for the uh, New York Islanders, especially because over the last couple of seasons, you know, Barry Trotz has come in from Washington and he's literally built a team that's been successful from spare parts and just nothing. They lost John Tavares through that time and they ended up making the playoffs two years in a row and going on super hot streaks. I think it was like 13 games in a row or something they made last season. And this season they started quite well. And then for some reason, you know, team slump, uh, they've got in, uh, who was the goaltender from uh, uh, from the Avalanche? They received uh, yeah. uh, Valamov. That's the one. Uh, Ilya Valamov. They, re- they they got him in as a goaltender to replace Robin Leonard, and then they've got Grice as a backup, or vice versa. So either one, I think they're you know they fight for the uh, they're another two goalies that share the crease. So they can be quite hot, but they can be quite got cold goaltenders. So I believe it's another goaltending issue there. Um, as far as Florida, all eyes are going to be on Bogrovsky because that guy just pulled a massive contract and he has not pulled through with his end of the deal. Uh, if, if any team's paying upwards, I can't remember the exact number, but I believe it's nine to ten million dollars uh, that Florida paid for Bogrovsky to replace um, Luongo. 
I, it's uh, it, a lot of people fear this. Uh, that a lot of teams fear this if they signed um, if they if they signed him to a, a big contract that he wouldn't uh, pull through. Uh, but he uh, he definitely hasn't pulled through, and it's his time to shine right now in the playoffs to get them through because the Panthers have uh, have not had a good season. But uh, the Islanders, they still have that framework that Trotz has built off of, and if they can just get back into sync with that, maybe pulling in these new players can help uh, push that system uh, that Barry Trotz has been successful with over the last couple of years. If they can get that back into gear, then the Islanders are going to be uh, a great team. And our final matchup, David, is probably a team that, well, you either love them or you hate them for the most part, the Toronto Maple Leafs, up against a team that they probably had the shutdown come at just the perfect time to get them ready for a playoff run, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who it's almost as though they've gone on another haul at the deadline with the number of so-called rentals they've got, such as the number of players they're getting back from injury. This is the kind of the series where if you advance, you get to play Boston. So um, whoever gets through there is is going into a difficult second round. Um, oh, let's face I, it. We're I, all cheering for Toronto, aren't we, to see them play Boston and for that to go to game seven because we all know what happens when Boston plays Toronto in a game seven. The, um, the one thing I think is, is, is key to this series is Austin Matthews. Yeah, and their star power. You know, like Matthews has got to come up big here. Um, he, he's let, and let's not talk him down. I, I love the guy, right? I, I actually reckon he's a superstar in the making. But this is where, if you're Austin Matthews, you've got to step up and really, really take control of this series. And then, you know, you're going into game two. So, as we know, the best players in any professional sports love those sorts of challenges. Mm. Um, and I think I think Matthews has got to has has got to go here. I, I don't actually I don't you know look at him as a sure thing against Columbus, but this is where your star power has to come to the fore. The thing with also I just wanted to add that with uh, Toronto and Columbus, uh, Columbus is one of those uh, hot team killers uh, as we saw last you year. Hate they playing those guys. Yeah, yeah, but they just come through because they're a team that's built for the playoffs. They're a dirty corner heavy hitting team they don't like they don't get pretty like, they do get pretty goals time to time but most of it is dirty goals they work hard in the corners and they put a lot of pressure on the defense and this is where toronto is weak uh they put up they got a couple of acquisitions last year uh at, through the year um toronto did but it's just the team is a is a north south team they, they base their, their their goals on a lot of skill a lot of speed and when you've got a team like Columbus that dumps in the corner, the defensemen have to turn, they have to pick the puck up off the boards, then you have a heavy-hitting forecheck coming through, really puts pressure on, and Freddie Anderson is going to have a handful to contend with because his defensemen are going to be hit hard. That is the Eastern Conference preview done and dusted. We'll be back with the Western Conference preview in just a moment on Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, triplehfm.com.au or on a plethora of podcast sites. Don't go away. We'll be right back in just a moment. Welcome back to 
Triple H 100.1 FM, triplehfm.com.au, or you might be listening on podcasts.com. Tune in, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Keith Topolsky with you talking National Hockey League playoff previews. And we do have the two cities that have been chosen as the hubs that will host all 12 teams taking part in both the play-in and the playoff series in the National Hockey League. And Adrian, help us out here because we all know that Gaz and I want to burn one of these cities to the ground each. Uh, Gaz, in his case, has always been a long-term fan of the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, everybody knows how much I love them as an Ottawa fan. So give us some reason as to why Toronto and Edmonton were chosen in the first place. I know that they've got practice rinks and uh, hockey hotbeds, but is that really it? Tell us there's a conspiracy. I don't know if I can confirm uh, if there's a conspiracy theory at hand, but uh, Edmonton definitely, if uh, if you want a place that uh, people with COVID probably wouldn't travel to, <laughs> that's a great place to choose. Um, that's gold. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not really a tourist destination. You only go there if you kind of have to. But don't get me wrong, I've been to Edmonton and uh, no, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I love Winnipeg City's uh, cold, desolate towns in the middle of nowhere and oh, that's 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 kind of what attracts me to those that's why i was in winnipeg for a while uh but as far as toronto it's just like it's just the hockey capital of the world like you you can't go wrong with toronto and they like they have the facilities but they're also gonna get the people to turn out to watch those games uh that's that's pretty much the base of it i i, I reckon and with edmonton it might have been an oilers mcdavid type deal because mcdavid is the you know, the face of the NHL, so to speak, is the next Wayne Gretzky. He's the guy that hasn't, apart from this season, hasn't, hasn't oh, in the season he got injured, hasn't fell short of 100 points for a season. He's just a dynamic player. Like, I think they're trying to bring it back around to Gretzky days, and I wouldn't be surprised if Edmonton makes a decent run this year. But, uh, and even Toronto, like, yeah, you can, you can dream, can't you? I, I reckon it's more succinct than that, Keith. You probably have a lot of spare hotel capacity or accommodation <laughs> capacity in Toronto. And as far as Edmonton's concerned, even the virus didn't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell just how highly David does rate the Edmonton people and the Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton as a city. I didn't mind Edmonton. I got to say, it wasn't the most difficult place to get around. But as you say, I did go there in November and it was minus 20 with a minus 20 wind chill factor so nobody was going anywhere much when I did visit Edmonton but we are in the Western Conference we're not going to start with Edmonton in fact we're going for four American teams because they are the ones that have gone straight through to the playoffs and they'll be playing in the playing round we start David with the defending champions the St. Louis Blues and they got through the season almost all the way through to the President's Trophy they did end up topping the Western Conference and they did it without Vladimir Tarasenko. So getting him back, they are going to be brutal. Yeah. Uh, what I like about St. Louis is they picked up our boy, Nathan Walker, and they gave him a shot and uh, he scored a few goals and uh, proved himself a little bit. But unfortunately, they dropped him out of the lineup because oh, St. Louis Blues, like, what can you say that's wrong with that team? They just have everything. You know, they've just got big guys. They've got strong leadership. They've got fantastic goaltending. Um, 
I would imagine any team that faces them, and unfortunately, I'm planning on Winnipeg facing them after they destroy Calgary. Uh, it's going to be a hard, a hard run for them because uh, a hard run for Winnipeg, sorry, but it's going to be a quite a business as usual run for the uh, St. Louis Blues. And having Tarasenko back is just adding some more firepower. But they've just got this system where they just they seem to uh, capitalize on every opportunity they're given. And if you, uh, they just bore you to death in their defensive zone because they keep you to the outside and their goaltender knows where the shots are coming from. So, and then what they do is they get you stuck down deep in their end. They get, they want you to be on the boards and deep in the corner and cycling. And then what they'll do is they'll pop the puck off your defenseman and then take it in on a two on one and they'll capitalize. And that's uh, pretty much the strength of St. Louis blues, but they also have great defense. And when they do get into your zone, they'll send some nice bombs from the point. Um, I can't remember the uh, Kevin. Uh, who is the captain of the St. Louis Blues? I can't remember. I know uh, Alex Petrangelo. That's correct. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, he's quite a quite a effective uh, player when it comes to taking shots on there. He's quite accurate, um, and he definitely can join the rush. But rush, but they're uh, quite an opportunistic team, and I think it's just gonna you. You're really gonna see a a, a clinic put on as as last year kind of uh, showed what they can do. Well, Adrian mentioned that he doesn't really see any weaknesses in the St. Louis Blues lineup, David, but I just wonder what happens if Jordan Bennington in net goes down with an injury. Jake Allen doesn't exactly fill me with a lot of confidence as the backup. It's a team of complete pros, and Bennington has been awesome, but this is the wild card factor as I see it across the entire NHL. And if you do get cold in net, all kinds of things can happen. I think you're right to cite that as a major risk for them going forward. They are incredibly professional. They got a great D. Their offense can put the their offense can put the puck in the net. But you know, <clears throat> if your your number one is is cold and 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 your number two freezes in in front of the pressure in playoff hockey, you're in all sorts of trouble. We move along to a team that really did struggle a few years ago when they had a very late change in coaching, but is now set for a period of sustained dominance because they are working with a bunch of kids and they have a lot of prospects coming through. The Colorado Avalanche didn't do an awful lot at the deadline, David, but when you've got a team with Rantanen and Landeskog and McKinnon as your top line, they did it again this year. They were brutal last year. They were brutal this year. That is a line that is going to cause all sorts of misery for anyone that comes up against it. Take me to the happy place because these guys put us out in the first round last year. <laughs> and I, I was I was staggered how, how good that top line was yeah. in that team. They, they were awesome. You know, that, we, we Calgary just could not stop them. We, we had no answers. We'd actually beat them through the series um, in, in the regular season. And I think we sort of took it a bit easy. We had home ice advantage and the cog just took us apart. He literally took us apart. With McKinnon, they they are an awesome team. I think if they they can go places this year, if they can get those guys to fire. With uh, Col- with Colorado though, the goaltending issue is is the goaltending again is another issue. Um, they're not they're not gr- like super consistent. Um, but I think with bringing on like Ron Hainsey and Valtteri Filppula, he 
Phil Pillar, he, he back goes back to Detroit days. That guy's bounced around a few different teams over the last few years. But that guy is a, a strong a strong sentiment. He's going to fill in your third or your fourth line. And, and that's, that's surprising, as you say, the Hainsies and the Philpulas. They weren't picked up by Colorado at the deadline. They were left out there on the market. Colorado, certainly a lot of picks and prospects to deal from. So obviously they're in a position in Colorado with Joe Sackick as the GM where they've obviously got a lot of confidence in their depth if they're leaving guys like that out there on the trade market. Well, that's right. Uh, but, like, uh, um it's it's hard it's hard it's hard. Uh, I have I, you know I don't really have much to say on those ones. So that's all. Well, we'll move along from Colorado to perhaps one of the more popular teams in the NHL at the moment, the Vegas Golden Knights. They always put on a show, whether that's on the ice or off the ice. David, if they had a weakness, it was probably having Malcolm Subban as the backup. They brought Robin Leonard in. They've also added Alec Martinez on defense. Somehow they managed to sack Gerard Gallant during the season, and they just haven't skipped a beat since, and they really started to pick up some momentum coming into the back end. This is one of those teams you sort of think, you know, they had a great first season. You, you, you think they're going to go into sophomore slump, but they haven't. You, you're quite right about that, Keith. They have produced. Um, they scare the daylights out of me. They, they got... A bunch of favourable picks. They, everyone sort of, you know, free agents that you know no one could sign, so they sent them and dealt them down there, and they've quickly turned themselves into a little powerhouse unit in the desert. So um, how how far they go this year, I think, will kind of come down, as you say, to to goaltending. But you, you can see the Knights going quite away. And Adrian, you've got Vegas that is an entertaining entity on and off the ice, as we say. But if there's a team that really has struggled to find its identity on the flip side, it's been the Dallas Stars because it wasn't that long ago you had Ben, you had Sagan lining up and slotting goals all over the place and they couldn't stop scoring. Now they've taken on a defensive approach where they're really struggling to score at the end of the day and they've had to rely on their defense and losing Jim Montgomery as coach during the year certainly wouldn't have helped that cause, but they've really had to play a defensive game and and if Ben Bishop isn't there at the back and that defense starts to open up, I don't know where those goals are going to start coming from for Dallas. Yeah, well, with Dallas, um, they've always been such a weird team for me. Like I, I try, I try to keep tabs on them, but obviously it's super difficult with uh, the, the amount of teams that's in the league. But I've always just seen them as an inconsistent team. You never really know what's going to come out of them. Um, and I think it comes from their leadership. Uh, I remember last year, the year before, the, yeah, the GM ended up calling out you know, the top players. And if for a team to need the GM to call out top players like in public, that it, it comes to you, – you would imagine coming to that point – Times are getting tough, and you're expecting more out of your best players. But they did uh, acquire like Corey Perry and stuff for a bit more grit. But Bishop, I'm not sold. Uh, I I haven't realized the way he's uh, he's very tall and he takes up a lot of the net. But once he's put a he uh, he tends to fold quite quickly. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't seem to respond that well. Maybe that's the reason why. Um, 
uh, Tampa Bay ended up uh, parting ways with him. But as far as that, yeah, I'm not really sold with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. And we move on now that we're through the play-in teams to the playoff rounds, and we do start with a similar matchup to what we had in the East, a team that was really starting to put things together versus a team that is really not doing very well. It's the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. And, David, you're obviously on the Chicago bandwagon, but Edmonton, as long as they've got Connor McDavid healthy, they've got to be a chance to beat anybody, surely. I think that's right. He got, you know, an ageing lineup with Taves and and, and uh, Patrick Kane in, in Chicago. I, I know we've talked about this before in previous uh, broadcasts, and 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 we keep waiting for Chicago. They, they, you know, they they surprise on the upside on maintaining the talent pool into, you know, uh, a geriatric care with some of those guys. But they they keep producing. But at some point, you know, a guy like a guy like McDavid is going to kill him with his speed. So I'd, I'd be looking for Edmonton to go through on that round. Well, Duncan Keith and Brent... Well, Duncan Keith can still defend, but Brent Seabrook at the back, he's being scratched. He's on a $7 million contract for the next... I think he's still got another four or five years on that deal. That's going to... That's been clogging up the Chicago blue line as well, and that's certainly where I would imagine that there would be several problems for Chicago to try and shut down Connor McDavid. We move along to... An enthralling matchup. This is going to be really curious to watch because these are two teams, Adrian, that have been sort of forgotten this season. It's the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, the Nashville and Arizona, that's going to be a really interesting uh, interesting one to see. Uh, I honestly could not pick a winner out of the two. Uh, with uh, I would, I'm, I'm leaning more to Arizona because they've just been in a drought with making the playoffs, and last year they just missed it, and they got hit heavily with injuries. So I think they're a bit more hungrier. They've um, got uh, some, they got Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall in, so for a bit more scoring power, they got Ekman Larson on the D line on the uh, defensive line. Um, and uh, they think they're getting some good goaltending from Kemper as well, and they're starting to uh, find their stride. And I think with this bit of a time lapse, hanging, having a bit of time off, will uh, you know they'll come in healthy, and you know hopefully, hopefully you'll see them produce. But with Nashville, I think uh, as far as goaltending, like you're talking about UC Saros becoming the starter uh, in front of Pekka Rene. Like, don't get me wrong, I think Saros is a great goaltender, but he just lacks the size. He's very quick. Um, I'm so impressed with how fast that guy moves in net. It's unbelievable. But a guy that move, has to move so quickly is easily pulled out of the position. And uh, when you've got snipers like Hall or Phil Kessel, uh, you could just take pick apart. You could just pass the puck around, especially on the power play. I think a lot of these series are going to come down to the power play as well. Um, being able to pick apart the defensive structure of the other team and really find the holes and the weaknesses, especially without having the training and the playing uh, the games from the regular season to kind of bolster that. Who who couldn't like a guy like Phil Kessel who eats burgers and hot dogs, right, for the playoffs? <laughs> I, I'm backing him. Preds have only got one guy with who scored over 20 goals this year. That was uh, Forsberg. I think I – think, um, I think you give it to Arizona on scoring punch. I just wanted to come to you, David, on the topic of the Nashville Predators, because you've been critical in the past of the influence that Matt Duchesne has had. He 
left Colorado, mm. and I thought it was a great acquisition, although it was a heavy price to pay to get him in Ottawa. And then the Senators collapsed. He ended up leaving for Columbus and then moved on to Nashville in free agency. And then Nashville has gone backwards this year. So do, do you do you still think that Matt Duchesne is a bit of a negative influence on a team, or do you think it's more just bad luck where he's gone? I Look, every team has a cancer from time to time. I always saw that guy as a cancer. He, he was one of those really disruptive players in the, in the dressing room who, who had enormous influence and a lot of talent, but for whatever reason, they just, the chemistry of the team suffered. So I, 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 I don't rate that guy on that basis. I just think they're a corrosive influence on a team and, and you need everyone pulling together. You can't have a team that, that's sort of riven by division inside the dressing room when you need everyone to be working really hard and pulling together. Wasn't he uh, a, a, a uber superstar on TV recently with uh, well, a couple of years ago when he was with uh, Ottawa? Yes, he was part of the uber, uh, I suppose yeah. you'd call uber it the superstar. uber group. Is he, is yeah. The, the Uber group so, uh, maybe, which has maybe found their mouth in the coaching staff, yeah. So that that is a fair point to make that, yeah, he was part of that group that was found uh, in an Uber, bad mouthing the coaching staff, and all of a sudden it was, well, it was never the same after that, and that was when the true rebuild was really on and Pierre Dorian had to start moving players out at a rate of knots, unfortunately. So... Maybe David is right. Maybe Duchesne is going to be the asset or the facet that does bring Nashville down. As we move along to another very curious matchup, this one, Adrian, it's it's really grandchild versus grandparent here because Minnesota is a very old team. They've got players that are past their best, the Parisis, the Suitors. Yep. They've got guys who have really gone past it in Minnesota. They're up against the Vancouver Canucks who they rely on Brock Besser. They rely on Elias Pettersson. Now that the Sedins have gone, they've got Thatcher Demko coming through as the backup goaltender who yep. I think is still under the age of 21, perhaps yep. this, this is a matchup that if it's going to be speed versus experience, this is the one you want to watch. Well, I don't know about that because I think uh, Minnesota is a trash team. And I think they play trash hockey. Um, I've never liked them, and I never probably ever will. And I don't even understand how they're in the NHL, to be honest. But, this is um, the point at which we have to remind everybody that if Winnipeg has a rivalry with any team in the NHL, it's Minnesota because of <laughs> geographic convenience. But you please tell us all the great things about Minnesota. Uh, well, with Minnesota, it seems that every time the Jets play them, they uh, a Jet end up up being injured by one of their players. They uh, This year, especially because they had a lot of GM issues, uh, they gutted their team and they probably brought on some questionable players. Um, I think they've got some uh, strong players, um, but I think Devin Dubnik is to starting to see better days. Uh, where, you've, where on the other side of the coin, you've got Vancouver, and they have a hotbed of amazing players coming through. They've got Quinn Hughes, 
They've got Elias Patterson, and then they've got you know the Brock Bessier. They've got uh, Jay Beagle. They've got all these veteran players. They've got Tyler Myers, and then they've got Markstrom is having a pretty decent season, and they've got Thatcher Demko. And I believe they have one more goaltender. I can't remember his name right now. But Michael DiPietro plays for Ottawa 67s in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, had a right. couple of games for Vancouver during the season. Right. Okay. Yep. So I, I think that they have their goaltender. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I think it's getting them by. But I think there's there's a lot of potential there. But as far as just moving past this round, I think Vancouver will push through. Um, like you said before, their, their talent is aging. Um, they were in some sort of rebuild, then they refined the, the rebuild going, and now this new GM has to kind of implement his own rebuild structure um but uh vancouver bringing in tyler to though is a massive gain for them and i think having him as like a third line scorer um and then having him on the power play as well he's a sniper he's a natural scorer um that was a great move for them um if they're struggling for scoring but well time will tell we'll see how it plays out and we do move along now to the final matchup David, I will give you two minutes from when I stop talking to tell me why Calgary beats Adrian's Winnipeg. You've got the floor <laughs> for the next two minutes. Well, look, I mean, you've got a pack of duds in Winnipeg. I mean, who you got there? Sheafley, Wheeler, Connor, Lane, Ellers, nobody. That's like an all-star list, okay? No, nobody up to sort of Johnny Hockey. You got a, you got a really talented squad. I mean, I. Adrian will probably tell you here that Hellebuck is going to take it. They've ranked really poorly on the on the penalty kill this year, Winnipeg. Uh, it's been somewhat I, – I mean, I'm objective, I'm fair, I'm reasonable. There's been a bit of a roller coaster, you know, around scoring with Calgary this year. But, you know, refreshed, calm, collected. This is a team that can go a long way through this, this season. I – through the playoff season. I'll hand over to Adrian here. I'm sure he's got a different view. Adrian, you've got the floor. Two minutes. Why does Winnipeg beat Calgary? Okay, well, just just to start with, um, the, the, the captaincy is obviously terrible. Uh, who injures the best player in the game in the last game of the season, which means nothing. So that's uh, Mark Ginodano uh, injuring... Norris Trophy winner. Yeah, by right. The way. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So he injures Conor McDavid for a game that didn't even matter. It was for chips. Okay. So you've got that guy leading the team to start with. But it'll go to Winnipeg, the winners. Uh, so you've got Conor Hellebuck, Vesna Trophy contender right now. He has had a fantastic season considering his defensive structure uh, with Dustin Bufflin pulling his hiatus and everything that happened with his uh, contract and so on and so forth. So Jets did a fantastic job uh, putting together pieces, picking up guys off waivers, and then also bringing some guys in, especially from Ottawa. They bring in uh, Dylan Domenko, uh, DeMello, sorry. DeMello, yeah. Uh, From Ottawa, yes. Uh, He's quite a uh, solid defensive defenseman, uh, it seems, and he's really settled down the decor. Um, he's now paired up with Josh Morrissey. He's been given a uh, – uh, Josh, Josh Morrissey has been given a bit more lenience now to be able to move forward and play the puck up the ice and skate the puck in and become uh, a player that moves in with the rush without just worrying completely about defense because of the lack of backup that he's had. But then you've got you know, Mark Shifley. You've got Kyle Connor. Was, you know, he's an all-star. Um, and 
the the power play for Winnipeg is what's going to tear the the Calgary Flames apart. Uh, they're not going to be able to cope with that. Um, you got Line A sitting where Ovechkin sits with his bomb of a shot, um, you, and then you've got uh, you've also got Neil Pionk, which was an acquisition from the Rangers last year, trade with Jacob Truba. He's been fantastic. Has had his best season yet with the uh, the Jets and. He they've figured out how to play with him and how to get those tips through the seam. Um, honestly, the Jets is going to be moving Riddick or whoever they decide to put in Talbot, whatever. I think big, it's Talbot. Three words for Adrian. Big save, Dave. Big yeah, right, right. Save, right. Dave. I, I, I don't with know. The backup who's actually got a higher percentage save ratio this year. We'll see. But I think big, the biggest. Save day. I'll say some nice things about Calgary before before we end this, but uh, you know Matthew Tuchuk is going to be the 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 center point of Calgary's success. If he doesn't show up or if he takes some stupid penalties, that it's going to be the make or break of that team because he's the only guy that is playoff conditioned and can handle it. Because I'll tell you that Johnny Hockey, mate, is Johnny put me through the washing machine and uh, leave me in the slow slow dry after because I can't handle the playoffs hockey. So he uh, he, he, he is not going to be able to cope, um, but the Jets, they're going to pull through, but uh, St. Louis Blues is the next uh, opponent to face, and that's going to be a hard one to deal. Johnny Hockey, I, I agree with Adrian on that. This is his time to shine. Um, there's a lot of talk in Calgary he wants out. They think he wants to go back to Jersey. But I reckon for pride, this guy shows up big time and and dazzles. He barely shows up, mate. He, he dazzles. He barely exists on the ice. <laughs> he's about was he five foot three? Hey, look, don't worry about that. He's got he's got. The, he worries has, about that because when you got five foot Blake Wheeler coming down on you, mate. As we say, he's got the wheels. That's all I would say. Yeah, about sure, him. sure he does. Well, it's certainly a very animated discussion about Atlanta Mark 1 versus Atlanta Mark 2. Certainly <laughs> looking forward to the Battle of Georgia, which is – well, Calgary Flames were the Atlanta Flames, Winnipeg Jets formerly the Atlanta Thrashers in other lives. So there you have it, the full previews. Gentlemen, very quick tips, your conference finalists from the East and then your conference finalists from the West. Adrian, we'll start with you. Who plays off in the East and who plays off in the West? Uh, what, what are we talking about? So, like, the, the complete so, Stanley Cup play, finals? Now we'll get to the conference final because we all know that when you get to the last four, it's all it's all coming down to a lot of luck and a lot of bounces of the puck. So who do you think are the last two teams standing in the East and who do you think are the last two teams standing in the West? Well, that's a rough one, but I, I honestly believe Boston is going to push through again to the playoff finals, and uh, I'm going to be biased. Um but I believe the Jets are going to push through to the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs because I wouldn't be much of a Jets fan if I didn't believe so. So we've got Boston versus Winnipeg for the Stanley Cup final. And, David, what's your tip for the East and the West? Who comes out I, of those conferences? I, I think it's, you know, let's let's cut straight to the chase. It's Boston-St. Louis. Boston-St. Louis, a replay of last year's Stanley Cup final. I had Tampa versus Colorado as my pick at the start of the season. Tampa to be playing the New York Islanders in the Eastern Conference final, which is not looking that good at the moment. I had Colorado-Vegas in the West, and I'm very confident that that is how things are going to stack up. But we have run out of time here on another edition of Splinters. Adrian, it's been great having you on board, and hopefully we'll be able to chat a lot more National Hockey League very soon. Thanks, mate. I appreciate you having me on. 
David, always a pleasure, and certainly the sledging there. Very light for your standards, I have to say, but certainly you've been very well behaved. So we'll give you full marks, and thanks again for helping us out. No problem at all, and let's go, Flames. Go, well, Jets, go. <laughs> on your derriere for Lafreniere is when I'll is where I'll leave that one, but that is another edition <laughs> yeah, of Splinters. Ottawa fan. On Triple H, 100.1 FM, triplehfm.com.au, or via the plethora of podcast sites, podcast.com, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your good podcasts. Keith Topolsky, thank you for your company. We'll do it all again soon. Make sure you tune in to the bench from 6 o'clock on Friday night. But for now, it's goodbye. 